and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, your show dedicated to stories told to the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories, and I am your host, Fred. Uh, welcoming another late edition, I'm sorry about that. It has been some pretty miserable me- weather up here in Maine. We got about 8 to 10 inches of snow this week. Last week, we had an ice storm which sheared uh, limbs off trees, kept me from getting in uh, to anywhere that had power. I will say that uh, once we got the trees out of our driveway, um, cruise town looking for anyone who had power to uh, use a wireless uh, signal on the laptop uh, could not make it happen. So um, that po- podcast went up on Saturday. Um, not quite as bad uh, last night here, but uh, in the Christmas rush, episodes a day late. Apologize for that, but we will be having a ton of cool uh, Christmas bonus programming coming up, and I'll mention that later in the show. Uh, double interviews. Um, some of the creators of Chris, uh, Shadow of the Bear, as well as 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Uh, but for now, we have a something a little bit different. Uh, we have a tale, um, a tribute to the uh, British writer H.H. Monroe, a.k.a. Saki. Um, not to be confused with the Japanese beverage. Uh, Saki was a brilliant uh, satirical short story writer, um, sort of lambasted the British aristocracy, and uh, Julie Hoverson of 19 Nocturne Boulevard has done Great job uh, rendering uh, some of his short stories in the piece you're about to hear, the Saki Quartet. Um, have fun um, and, and enjoy. Saki Quartet. 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Nocturne Boulevard? Not far. When you hit Howard, hang a right. Howard meets Philip at a weird kind of angle, and then you cross James and Poe. You can't miss Nocturne, it's just past the automatic. 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Your address for suspenseful stories of the speculative, strange, and supernatural. Tonight's story is... The Saki Quartet, and was inspired by the works of H.H. Monroe. Yes, this is 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Won't you step inside? Did you have any trouble finding me? What do you mean, what kind of a place is it? Why, it's an Edwardian girls' school, can't you tell? This way to the headmistress's office. to wait. Huh? What? Oh, Nora, I wish I could sleep with my eyes open. I said why... To put us into the proper frame of mind, to contemplate our misdeeds. That's silly. I've been thinking about anything and everything but my misdeeds. That's adults for you. Well, well. Fresh blood? They don't look very promising. I'll have you know I've been called on the carpet plenty of times. Don't care. Besides, I wasn't referring to that. You're right, they're not much good. I think one of them is a waxwork. Oh, well. <sighs> Your turn, Miss Tramplethorpe. Once more, into the breach. If you don't mind, I'll join you for a bit. But you should be getting back. Not a mannequin, then. No one will notice, at least for a bit. Was it truly awful, Vera? Rather. What did you do? What did... 
She do. I? I did nothing. I will swear it to my grave. It's vulgar to ask for details. I talked back to a teacher, I've been told. She didn't make any mention of it at the time, but I got a note sending me here. It's all quiet now. Is it over? Of course not. There's always castigation. Isn't that immodest? <sighs> it means Miss Twicket will be talking at her for some time. Then there may be more strokes, depending on whether she is contrite. Are you contrite? It's vulgar to ask. <laughs> but I'm not. It was entirely worth it. I'll have to get back soon, Matilda. Should we have a quick go-round? Without Alice. Ow. Ow. She'll likely be a while. What about the small fry? That's not very nice. How have you know? Oh, let's. They'll never split on us. Will you? But, but, but what is it you... I'll never tell. I'm not a sneak. But we don't even know what. Promise, or you'll never know. I promise. I'll never reveal anything, even under torture with wild horses. Well... If you don't promise, you're doing me out, too. I don't know. Ow! I won't tell! <laughs> <laughs> it's not so very awful, ducklings. We have a bit of a club. We call it the ducks and geese. We each take any chance we get to play little tricks on people, and then share the stories. We're the ducks. And they are the geese. Yes. And whomever has the best story... Wins. Wins? What? Vera here is quite a champion liar. I prefer the term romancer. We always meet here, so we all have to get ourselves into scrapes from time to time, just so we can link up. How does one join? You have to have a story. Something good. I've got a lovely one from last summer holiday. Oh, I expect I can top it. Ow! Ow! Oh, goodness. Well... I haven't, really. I would never. I'm shocked. Oh, well, we'll have to talk later. Perhaps Alice will be out soon. Since I didn't know to prepare, what if I had a truly lovely story, even though it wasn't me that did the joke? I don't think so. Sorry. Well, we might listen. We'll pass some time, and then we can deliberate. It had better be good. I think so. My older brother has a friend. Oh, not a friend of a friend tale. Those are old enough to have beards. This friend is quite the car. An A-sewer joker. His name is Clovis Sangrail. Oh-ho. Truly. You know Clovis. Perhaps we should make you remember just on the basis of that. Who is Clovis Singrail? Some grail. He is our own Joe. The very top of the tree when it comes to our sort of japes. Absolutely the lobster's dress shirt. Though if I do say so myself, a distant cousin of mine, Reginald, is starting to make a good showing. Go on, then. You must tell us your Clover story. We might decide to be kind, even if it would be nepotism of a sort. Clever, by association. What was your name again, duckling? Helen. Well, my oldest brother, Bertie, was chafing terribly since being nearly twenty he felt mother should stop reading his private correspondence. Oh, I cared mine of that long ago. Yes, but Bertie's simply not assertive, not on his own. So one day a letter arrives. Oh, Helen! Oh, heavens, Helen! Bertie is in the toils of his adventurous! Her name is Clotilde. Truly, Mother, where? In the Rose Garden? No, in the post. How did they fit in the post? Shh, listen to this. Bertie, carissimo, I wonder if you will have the nerve to do it. Don't forget the jewels. They are detail, but details interest me. Yours, as ever, Clotilde. Postscript. Your mother must not know of my existence. 
If questioned, swear you never heard of me. Clotilde? I don't know of any. Well, your brother certainly does. Perhaps he only just... Oh, no. As ever, she says. As ever. They've been carrying on under my very nose for... Who knows how long? When my brother returned home, Mother braced him with the incriminating Clotilde. And, of course, he denied it. How well you have learned your lesson. He really didn't make much of it, and when she insisted he would have no dinner unless he confessed, I saw him take rather a quantity of sandwich materials up to his room with him. Then with the next post... Another letter? Oh, yes. What is it this time? Miserable boy, what have you done to Dagmar? It's Dagmar now, is it? It will be Geraldine next. But did she come to this? After all my efforts, it's no use. Clotilde's letter betrays everything. Poor Dagmar. Now she is done for. I almost pity her. The servants all think it was suicide. Better not touch the jewels till after the inquest. Clotilde. Oh! I don't suppose this letter betrays who this Clotilde is. Seriously, Mother, if you go on like this, I shall have to go fetch a doctor. I've often enough been preached at about nothing, but I've never had an imaginary harem dragged into the discussion. Mother could have used a doctor, for she was utterly purple about the face from screaming and had to go and have a lie down, at least until the next post. Bertie. Bertie, darling. What is it this time? Have I stolen the Mona Lisa? No. You have another letter from Mr. Sangrail. Why not go on and tell me what he has to say? <clears throat> Dear Bertie, I hope I haven't distracted your brain with the spoof letters. You told me the other day that somebody at your home <clears throat> tampered with your letters, so I thought I would give them something exciting to read. The shock might do them good. And then Bertie threatened to get a nerve specialist in to look at Mother, since she was obviously far too highly strung. And she couldn't possibly stand the scandal, she said. And they agreed he wouldn't, but only if she would stop reading his mail, you see. But did she? So far. We'll review your application. Next. I? Oh, I, I truly don't have anything. You'd best think of something. We can't have outsiders hearing all our secrets. I'll go ahead and tell mine. It's not so exotic as to cause a panic, and it will give this little gosling time to think. I suppose so. What do you think, Helen? Me? Oh! Oh! I think we should give her one more chance. She had no time to prepare, after all. Ow! Ow! Speaking of preparing, I'd best be quick, as I believe I'm next for the chop. Very well. I was staying with my aunt in the country, and it was the day of a very important garden party. Some princess was attending, and everyone wanted to come. My aunt gloated over the guest list for days. What is it with aunts? It's as if we all have at least one who is utterly impossible. <gasps> aunts! Mine told me to be on my best behaviour and to imitate my insipid cousin Claude, which would have been quite horrible. I think everyone must have a cousin Claude or Egbert or something as, as well as an aunt. <sighs> so... So when they got on me for eating too much raspberry trifle at luncheon, they said over and over that Claude would never do a thing like that. So when Claude went down for his nap, 
Imagine he's all of eleven and still goes meekly to afternoon naps like an infant. He's the type who'll end up married to someone quite overbearing. Like an ant? <laughs> While he was napping, I took the opportunity to take a huge dish of raspberry trifle and force-feed it to him. Well, much of it got on his sailor suit and the bed, but enough went down him that they will never again be able to say he's never eaten too much raspberry trifle. Oh, that's a good one. I do have a story. I'm not finished. That is merely the prologue to my tale, explaining why I was sitting in the back paddock rather than prancing about the garden party with Claude and Artie. Oh, I'm so... Shh! Pray continue, Sherazard. I thought her name was Matilda. Oh, hush. So, I was sitting in a medlar tree, being stupefied with boredom when I saw two ladies, dressed as if for the garden party, sail through the paddock in an attempt at infiltration. Weren't they rather obvious? There was really no one there to see, excepting myself, and they never once looked up as they passed by. Well, with no ulterior motive in mind, I decided to let Art's prize boar pig, Tarquin Superbus, into the paddock behind them. It had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I knew the gate they were aiming for was locked, and they would be forced to come back the same way. <laughs> <laughs> So, when they did... I stopped Mrs. Covering in the road yesterday and talked very pointedly about the princess. If she didn't choose to take the hint and send me an invitation, it's not my fault. No. Oh! Oh! Ah, what? Oh, what a villainous-looking animal. It wasn't there when we came in. Well, it's there now, anyhow. I mean, what on earth are we to do? I wish we had never come. Shoo! Shoo! If you think you'll drive him away by reciting lists of the kings of Israel and Judah, you're laying yourselves out for disappointment. Oh, little girl. Can you find someone to drive away? Come on, come on, pa. Oh, oh, you French. It is vous-francais. Pas de tout. Suisse anglaise. Then why not talk English? I want to know if... Uh, Permettez-moi expliquer. And I went into a rather long description of Claude and Aunt and the raspberry trifle, ending with... And as an additional punishment, I must speak French all the afternoon. I've had to tell you all this in English, as there were words like forcible feeding that I didn't know the French for. Mais maintenant, nous parlons français. Oh, very well. Très bien. La, allo, trunkout de la porte est. Um, a pig. Oh, goodness. Un, un grenouille? No, no. I'm reasonably certain that's a frog. Oh, yes. Un cochon. Un cochon? Ah, la petite charmante. Mais non. Pas de tout, petit. A pas de tout, charmante. Une bête féroce. Une bête. A pig is masculine as long as you call it a pig. But if you lose your temper with it and call it a ferocious beast, it becomes one of us at once. French is a dreadfully unsexing language. For goodness sake. Let us talk English, then. Is there any way out of this garden except through the paddock where the pig is?
Carter. Not a sympathetic bone in her body. Why didn't she say anything? She knows we're already in for it. Well, you've already been in for it. Was it really that bad? <gasps> so what happened with your boar pig? Did he devour the invaders? Devour them? Oh no, Tarquin's superbus prefers rotten fruit to interlopers any day. They bribed me to lead him away. I don't think they were best pleased about it once they realized what a sweet disposition he has. But of course, they were in the wrong trying to crash a party like that, so you were merely punishing them. Right and wrong have less than nothing to do with it. Well, not the courts or even public opinion. A joke is a joke even if it's on a perfectly nice person who doesn't deserve it in the least. Though it is much more fun, and less likely to get one into severe hot water when the person joked on can't complain without revealing their own shortcomings. I... Speak up, Gosling. A sentence is comprised of at least two words. I might... have a story. Five! And with a full stop. All right, then. Pray continue. We were on a train... It was some years back, and my aunt was exceedingly boring. There was a gentleman in the carriage with us, and when he stooped so low as to criticize my aunt's storytelling abilities, she dared him to tell one. Yes, please tell us a story. Anything would have been better than my aunt's stories. You would have thought she had never been a child herself. I say, there's an idea. Perhaps aunts arrive like motor cars, fully assembled from the factory. Shh! Give ear to the duckling. Oh, me? Yes, well, the story. Very well. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Bertha, who was extraordinarily good. She did all that she was told. She was always truthful. She kept her clothes clean, learned her lessons perfectly, and was polite in her manners. She was horribly good. Can one be... Horribly good. Truly. Claude. Definitely. She was so good that she won several medals for goodness, which she always wore pinned on her dress. They were large metal medals, and they clinked against one another as she walked. No other child in the town where she lived had as many as three medals, so everybody knew that she must be an extra good child. Horribly good. The prince got to hear about Bertha and said that as she was so very good, she might walk in his park. Were there any sheep in his park? No, there were no sheep. Why weren't there any sheep? Because the prince's mother had once had a dream that her son would either be killed by a sheep or else by a clock falling on him. The prince never kept a sheep in his park or a clock in his palace. Oh, very good. Was this fellow passenger by any chance a long, lithe, languid type with a somewhat nasal voice? No, why? She was wondering whether you've encountered Clovis as well. Roll along. Oh, so, um... He said the park was full of little black, grey and white pigs and... Bertha was rather sorry to find that there were no flowers in the park. She had promised her aunts, with tears in her eyes, that she would not pick any of the kind prince's flowers. And she had meant to keep her promise. So of course it made her feel silly to find that there were no flowers to pick. Why weren't there any flowers? Because the pigs had eaten them all. You know...
I'm becoming quite convinced you're right, though the story hardly sounds vicious enough for Clovis. Oh, I just haven't gotten to the, um... To the, um... Very well. Bertha was just thinking. If I were not so extraordinarily good, I should not have been allowed to come into this beautiful park. And her medals clinked against one another to remind her how very good she was. Just then, an enormous wolf came prowling into the park to see if it could catch a fat little pig for its supper. The first thing that it saw in the park was Bertha. Her pinafore was so spotlessly white and clean that it could be seen from a great distance. I have never heard a better argument against cleanliness. I shall go out and get myself despicably filthy forthwith. After your visit inside. Thank you. I had actually managed to forget that for a bit. Bertha saw the wolf and she began to wish that she had never been allowed to come into the park. She ran as hard as she could, and the wolf came after her with huge leaps and bounds. She managed to reach a shrubbery of myrtle bushes and hid herself. The wolf came sniffing among the branches, its pale gray eyes glaring with rage. Bertha was terribly frightened and thought to herself, if I had not been so extraordinarily good, I should have been safe in the town at this moment. However, the scent of the myrtle was so strong that the wolf could not sniff out where Bertha was, so he thought he might as well go off and catch a little pig instead. Definitely not, Clovis. Let me finish. Humph. Well, proceed. Bertha trembled, and the metal for obedience clinked against the metals for good conduct and punctuality. The wolf heard the sound of the metals clinking and dashed into the bush, dragged Bertha out, and devoured her to the last morsel. All that was left were her shoes, bits of clothing, and three medals for goodness. Were any of the little pigs killed? <laughs> Bunny, that's just what my brother asked. No, they all got away. We all agreed it was the most beautiful story we'd ever heard. Well, except for Aunt, who seemed to find it highly improper. We shall have to write to Clovis and find out if he's been engaged in the railway storytelling circuit. <laughs> this was some years ago, when I was quite young. <laughs> <laughs> I fear, my darlings, that I shall still take the pomp today, for I had occasion recently for the most stupendous jape of all. Well? I am composing myself. <gasps> Oh, not again. No, no. I am ready. I must be careful and include all the vitally important details, for this was more than a mere trick on an aunt. There was a tedious little man visiting our neighborhood for some sort of rest cure. Do you know many of the people around here? Hardly a soul. My, my sister stayed nearby some four years ago, and she gave me letters of introduction to some of the people here. Then you know practically nothing about my aunt. More aunts! Aunts are universal. Now shh! Only your aunt and uncle's names and the address. Uncle. Oh, I see. Aunt's great tragedy happened just three years ago. That would be since your sister's time. Tr tragedy You may wonder why we keep that French window wide open on an October afternoon. It is quite warm for the time of year, but tragedy? Out through that window, three years ago to a day, Aunt's husband and brothers went off shooting and never came back. 
In crossing the moor, they were engulfed in a treacherous piece of bog. Their bodies were never recovered. That was the dreadful part of it. Poor aunt thinks that they will come back someday with uncle's little brown spaniel and walk in that window just as they used to. Do you know, sometimes on still, quiet evenings like this, I almost get a creepy feeling that they will all walk in through that window. Oh. Yes. I hope Vera has been amusing you. She has been very interesting. I hope you don't mind the open window. My husband and brothers will be home directly, and they always come in this way. Mm, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the doctors agree in ordering me complete rest and absence of mental excitement. Ah. On the subject of diet, they are less in agreement. Ah. Some opine that toast with marmalade is better for digestion, while others lean more towards toast without. Still, other physicians insist on no toast at all. Ah. Not on the question of eggs. Aha! Uh -huh, here they are at last, just in time for tea. What? I put on my best look of wide-eyed fear and stared. I always think of cats when I do that. What? Here we are, my doll. Who was that who bolted out as we came up? A most extraordinary man, a Mr. Nuttall, could only talk about his illnesses and dashed off without a word of goodbye or apology when you arrived. One would think he'd seen a ghost. I expect it was the Spaniel. He told me he had a horror of dogs. He was once hunted into a cemetery somewhere on the banks of the Ganges by a pack of pariah dogs and had to spend the night in a newly dug grave with the creature snarling and grinning and foaming just above him, enough to make anyone lose their nerve. Oh, bravo. Two for the price of one. How could he be afraid of a spaniel? They're so... Silly. She was romancing. Oh. Oh. And her uncle wasn't dead, either. Well, I... I think I realized that. Ow. Ow. What? Eek! That sounds dreadful. And I'm next. Ow. Ow. Poor Alice. Maybe the headmistress will wear herself out before she gets to us. Perhaps. But then she'll just summon a few prefects to help. Really? But, but what could she be doing? Let's see, shall we? Shh. Ah, where's the headmistress? Oh, jolly good one, Alice. You gave me such a turn. Yes, yes, no autographs, please. Screaming does dry out my throat. It was just you. I believe this time that Alice takes the laurel. Oh, I don't think so. Why ever not? Who do you think sent round the sham detention notices to bring us all here? Now that you know how to find us, don't be a stranger. We have enough of those already. Tonight's story, The Saki Quartet, was adapted by Julie Hoverson 
from four short stories by H. H. Monroe. Shock Tactics, The Boar Pig, The Storyteller, and The Open Window. In tonight's production, Vera was Beverly Poole, Matilda was Lindsay Thomas, Helen was Julie Hoverson, and Nora was Chandra Wade. Shock Tactics featured Megan Lane and Jasper Lewis. The Boar Pig featured Jody Monahue and Hilary Dixon. The Storyteller featured Cole Hornaday, and The Open Window featured Kim Turner, Robin Keyes, and Rick Lewis. Alice was Zandria Nirvana Barber, and Alice's stunt doubles were Kyra Greenfield and Draven Schoberg. Also heard was Renaud LaBeouf. All music in this show was courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Sound and mastering was done by Julie Hoverson, and sound effects were found on SoundSnap.com. This has been recorded in so many pieces with the help and courtesy of so many people, including Neo Hoodoo Studios, ART, American Radio Theater, and the Magical Mystery Troupe. This presentation is copyright 2008 to Julie Hoverson and Reality Productions. And that was the Saki Quartet by 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Um, of course, 19nocturneboulevard.net, uh, 19, uh, the number's 19. And uh, we have a special cool double bonus episode coming up. Um, I've got interviews uh, both in the can. I still need to get to editing them. Uh, we have the creators of uh, Shadow of the Bear as well as Julie, Julie Hoverson herself um, talk about Saki. Um, so we're going to have a back-to-back um, interview episodes as well as some extra uh, programming for Christmas. So this is going to be uh, quite a gift to you uh, from Radio Drama Revival. Um, we'll have two bonus epi- uh, two interviews as a bonus episode um, before Christmas. And then on Christmas Day, um, we're going to be having um, welcoming back Quicksilver Radio Theater, our big friends um, down in New York City, with their uh, beautifully rendered A Christmas Carol, the classic Dickens tale, but uh, rendered as only uh, Quicksilver Audio Theater can um, in audio. Um, followed by a more irreverent tale that vaguely resembles a Christmas tale, um, Pig in Boots by the Wireless Theater Company, uh, which is, uh, we have a little touch of the classic, a little touch of the reverent. I think it'll be a nice mix, um, whatever your preferences may be. So um, have a happy Christmas. Hope you get some cool MP3 device to help um, increase your listening pleasure, radiodramarevival.com. Uh, for more, a uh, new interview by Chris Duker up there. Do check it out. And uh, stay tuned for our Christmas programming. Uh, thanks so much. Um, and as usual, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.